Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. People always ask me, what do I listen to? I've also been asked this, what do you listen to that you've produced yourself? Well, a lot of people will tell you, whether it be recording artists, actors, people like myself in the training and coaching business or the seminar business, it's hard to listen to yourself, to be honest with you. But I'm going to share with you a recording I did not so long ago that I listen to all the time because the content is very stirring. And it's called The Power of a Made-Up Mind. And I presented this content a little over a year ago. And I have listened to it over and over and over again myself. And one of the reasons for it is that this content is kind of an amalgamation of bits of presentations, books I've read, sermons I've heard, stories I've told, and kind of put it all together. But I truly believe that nothing's as powerful in a human being's life as the power of a made-up mind. And I believe that if you listen to this program and you apply just some of the tips and pointers in it, it's going to have a great, great impact on you. So I'm going to share with you today a presentation that I gave that actually fires me up. Now, I know that sounds a bit narcissistic, but I can tell you this, in 20 years and thousands of presentations I've given, rarely has one impacted me like this. So I'm going to share it with you today. I hope you like it. It's called The Power of a Made-Up Mind. What I'm going to do today is talk to you autobiographically. I'm going to share with you some things that have really helped me. And one thing that's really helped me and something that I continually go back to over and over again as a person is this concept of the power of a made-up mind. And today's webcast is dedicated to someone who taught me this, and it's my mother. Therese Buffini is a remarkable gal. She's still a feisty little Irish woman. If you look up Irish mother in the dictionary, her picture is there. It's just a fiery gal. I get all my drive and determination from her. She always told me, you could do it, Brian. You could do it. But she always told me, you got to have your mind made up. you got to have your mind made up. And those are words that have stood the test of time. Those are things that have helped me in good times and in bad. And I'm going to share with you some examples of people who've had a made-up mind and their impact. And I'm going to share with you from my own experience and my own journey. And then I'm going to perhaps have some things to help you make up your mind today, make some decisions, and get yourself into a spot where no matter what happens with the appraisals or what happens with a short sale or what happens with a buyer or a seller or a loan or any customer issue or what's going on at home yourself, but that ultimately your resolve as a person becomes resolute because of the power of your made-up mind. So I have three points for you today. What's the chances of that? So here's the three things we're going to cover. First, we're going to cover the actual power of a made-up mind. I'm going to share with you some examples and insights on actually the power of a made-up mind. The next thing I want to talk to you about is the power of decision and how important decisions are. Once your mind is made up, you make a decision. These become the choices that we anchor. And then third, I want to talk to you about it's your time. It's your time. So let's talk about it right now, the power of a made-up mind, okay? There are some great benefits to this. There is nothing like the resolve that comes when someone goes, I know what I want, I know why I want it, and I know what I'm going to do. I've just made up my mind. Because here's the first thing that happens with the made-up mind 
is here's the first way you know your mind is made up. You never give up. You never give up. You never give up. The fact of the matter is never giving up. Now, I want to give you a context on this. Inside all books of success and all stories of victories, there are chapters of failure. End of story. And, you know, every year America goes through this massive deal with the Super Bowl. And it is this incredible pageant, you know. Uh, I guess this is the way the Romans viewed the Colosseum. I don't know. But, you know, whatever, 112 million people tune into this deal. It's a football game. And here is the Baltimore Ravens and the 49ers. And uh, what an interesting story this Baltimore Ravens deal was. And the, their leader, Ray Lewis, rips the tricep off the bone. Their next best defensive player, Terrell Suggs, rips his Achilles tendon playing basketball when he wasn't supposed to. Their number one wide receiver, his brother, dies tragically in an automobile accident. Their free safety's brother ends up drowning in a river. Their wide receiver, baby, dies. They had more tragedy and more challenges and more difficulties going on. And if you read all the things that took place for this team, their owner, Art Modell, died. I mean, it's like one trail of tears. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Well, if it hadn't played the San Diego Chargers and converted a fourth and 29, there would be no story. So once again, San Diego plays a great role in winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> but if you look at the Baltimore Ravens story, if you look at the whole story, you wouldn't think they won the Super Bowl without knowing what happened in the last few games. You'd think they had a terrible season. Because inside all books of success, there's chapters of failure. I'm going to share with you some of my own today. But what I will tell you is, even though you may try, 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 and you, you might stop for a while, or you get frustrated for a while, or you become, uh, you, maybe you've been trying to lose weight, or get healthy, or fix a health, serious health issue, or your finances, or your business, or a marriage, or with kids, or whatever you're dealing with, and you, you might have periods where you try, 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 and then you kind of, you, you, you kind of give up, but in your mind, your mind is made up. When your mind is made up, you never, ever give up. Because your mind's made up. If you're giving up, it means your mind's not made up. End of story. If you're giving up, your mind has not been completely made up because a human being with their mind made up is a force of nature in this world. And it doesn't matter who you are or what your circumstances are. The power of a made-up mind means you never give up. The next thing is with the power of a made-up mind, you become more resolute. You become more resolute. Interesting uh, for many Many years in the White House, the president sat behind what was called a resolute desk. Resolute. That's something you resolve. It's the power of a made-up mind that then goes into action. I'm resolved to do something. I got a great chance to witness this firsthand here a number of years ago. Uh, for those of you who've been on our program many years, this will be very familiar to you. Those of you who are newer, you might not know who these guys are. But I want to talk to you about Dick and Ricky Hoyt. Dick Hoyt is now 70 years of age. He has a son, Ricky Hoyt, who was born a spastic quadriplegic. He can't walk, he can't talk, he can't use his arms, he can't use his legs. But it turned out this little boy, born in Boston, was a very competitive little soul. When he was about 12 years of age, Tuff University built the first ever computer so that someone with head and eye movements could tap out a message on a computer. And then the computer would use an auditory mechanism to speak the words he typed with his eyes. So every single day of this boy's life, he's cared for by his mom and dad. They've met his every physical need. They've loved him. They've washed him. They've taken care of him. 
and they were all amazed at what were his first words going to be. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, the professors at Tufts University. Well, he lived in Boston at the time. The Boston Bruins were in the Stanley Cup Finals, and his first words to the outside world were, Go Bruins. He was a competitive little guy. And they saw this. And then a couple of years later, there was a walkathon, jogathon to raise money for people in his condition. So dad is a military man, his big iron wheelchair, and he's pushing his boy along and there's people jogging. So he decides to jog. And they're in last place in this jogathon, walkathon. And there's like a couple of hundred yards to go in the race. And Dick Hoyt takes off running full speed. And his son, who can't use his limbs, all of a sudden his arm goes up in the air like this. And then that night when they got home and he typed out a message on the computer, he goes, Dad, when we passed that other runner, I didn't feel like I was handicapped. And that set in motion their journey. And Dick and Ricky Hoyt have run the Boston Marathon 29 times. By the way, you've got to run the Boston Marathon in under three hours to qualify. Okay? You've got to haul. The fact of the matter is, these guys have done extraordinary things. They do the Ironman in Hawaii. Now, I'm just going to give you a little example of that. The Ironman in Hawaii, which I, my family and I have gone and attended, I don't know, three or four times. You start off by doing a swim in the ocean, and you swim 2.4 miles. So Dick Hoyt puts a harness on his back, puts his adult son, who weighs a little over 100 pounds, into this raft and swims against the ocean current, pulling his son via straps in this dinghy. It's a sight to see. By the way, he couldn't swim when they started this endeavor. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. So they go swim 2.4 miles. Then after that, they ride a bike. And they ride a bike 112 miles. So imagine riding a bicycle and taking a 100-pound sack and putting it on the handlebars of your bike. Then go ride 112 miles. And then after that warm-up is done, then they go run 26.2 miles. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I don't know about you. Sometimes the point two gives me difficulties. <laughs> now, over the years, we've built a great relationship with Dick and Ricky Hoyt. They've been to many of our events and at Masterminds. We've had them come to many of our events in the past. In fact, our relationship flourished that when the point is when their equipment broke down and so on and so forth, we became, for 10 years, we became their sponsor. And so all of their equipment, you'll see this little logo here, It's a Good Life, okay? And that was on their wheels. Because we didn't want our name and brand, we weren't marketing our company, we wanted them to be the Good Life Ambassadors. So we funded them for many, many years so they could be Good Life Ambassadors in the marketplace. And as just like I do these webcasts now, these webcasts originated with me doing conference calls. And they became webinars, and now it's webcasts. And I did one every month, and I've done one every month for over 17 years now. And I've interviewed lots of people, and they've been interesting characters. But the strangest interview I ever did was of Dick Hoyt. Here's this remarkable guy. Here's a guy who built this great relationship. Here's this admirable father who does this for the love of his son. Here's this great team together. They've been at all of our events. And I'm doing this interview. And every time I would ask him the question, i go, Dick, you know, how do you do something like this? And his answer to me was, well, I just made up my mind. Okay. Well, tell me how you got into it, Dick. You know, I'm looking for some insight here, some introspection. For example, you told me you couldn't swim. Now you swim 2.4 miles pulling a kid in a raft. Uh, how'd you learn to swim? Well, I just made up my mind. I said, okay, so how'd you do it? He goes, well, I live in a lake up in New Hampshire, and I would swim out an hour, and then I'd have to swim back. <laughs> uh, that's a great strategy there, there, Dick. 
how'd you get in that place? I just made up my mind. Does he ever deal with injury? All the time. Because we just ran the uh, Boston Marathon. I had blisters, the side of baseballs on the bottom of my feet. And I said, well, did you do it? And he goes, no, I went to the doctor and he says, you can't run. But he told him I made up my mind. <laughs> so I did an hour interview and the man only had one answer and everything. I just made up my mind. I made up my mind. I made up my mind. I'm like, God, this has got to be tough to listen to. It wasn't very insightful. It wasn't very introspective, but it was very impactful. Because I learned a lot that day. I thought I knew about the power of the made-up mind until I interviewed Dick Hoyt. He shared with me a couple of interesting facts. He goes, Brian, just so you know how it works. He goes, I'm going to go do a training run. Even though I've done all these great things and, and achieved all these things, he goes, let's say I say I'm going to run eight miles. Once that's in my mind, he says, sometimes I'm feeling good and whatever else, and I decide I'm going to go a little further. Maybe I'll go for 10. He goes, once I have it in my mind that I'm going to do eight, it's almost impossible to do 10. He said, now, if, my, if it's in my head and I know ahead of time I'm going to do 12 miles, it's easy to do 12 miles. But he says, if it's in my mind to do eight, that's all I can do. You know what? That's not unique to him. You've had this experience. And so what happens is the power of a made-up mind. They say human beings tap into about 10% of their brain. I happen to believe that we're, human beings are made in the image of God. I think we have remarkable capacities that we don't tap into. I believe we're capable of so much more. So many people are at the level of survival in their life, survival in their marriages, survival in their health, survival in their finances, survival in their business. And I just believe that human beings, by their very nature of their design, are capable of so much more. We built an entire company to bring that out of people. That's what we do, impact and improve the lives of people. That whole company here, Pafini Company, that's all we do is pull that stuff out of people. And here's what they were making, and here's what they're making. Now, yeah, we have a cool little system, and yeah, we have all these things, but at the end of the day, it's we're tapping into what's already there. Let me share with you, when you have your mind made up, you don't give up. You become more resolute. Here's the next thing. The third thing is you focus on your wins. You focus on your wins. You focus on your wins. You become more focused on your achievement than what you're not doing. And I'm going to tell you, this is hard for me and this is hard for everybody. But you will become more focused on your wins and less focused on your losses. As human beings, you know, it's funny, you know, if you have kids, anyone who has kids, you know, how many times they need to hear a bad word to pick it up one time? How many need, times they need to hear please and thank you? A million. I had a conversation with a guy in college this morning. I was helping him with that. Okay. My oldest boy. So the point is you never quit that stuff. You never stop that stuff. You know, when people see the Liberty Bell, all they see is the crack. They don't see the bell. So when you have a made-up mind, you focus on your wins. Why? Because those are the reinforcement for what you made up your mind to. You made up your mind and you get a win, a small win of any sort. It's a reinforcement. Next, you attract like-minded people. When you have your mind made up, you see other people with their mind made up and you get to recognize one another. You see those same qualities in other people. You'll develop friendships with people. You'll deepen relationships with people. It takes one to know one. Have you guys ever heard that phrase? Well, let me share with you. When you have your mind made up and you're a man or a woman on a mission, you'll recognize other men and other women on a mission. Powerful stuff. Here it is. You ready for this one? The fifth part of this whole power of a made-up mind is you get to become a winner. That's right. A winner. In life, there are winners and there are losers. That is a fact of life. That's a politically incorrect statement in our world today. No, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Is that right? Does everybody win? Is everybody doing well financially? Everybody healthy? 
Everybody got a great marriage. Everybody got great kids. Everybody, everybody got the No, that's not happening. A winner is someone who wins. Now, does that mean you win all the time? It means you win more often than you lose. That's the power of a made-up mind. You want to be a winner, you've got to have your mind made up. What are you going to make your mind up about? I'm going to tell you that there are ripple effects. When a person has their mind made up, it has powerful effects, not only on their life, not only on their family and loved ones, but it has many, many ripple effects beyond what they ever imagined. I'm going to share with you a simple story of a simple guy. His name is Gunnery Sergeant Carlos Hathcock. Now, we're based in San Diego. San Diego is a military town. We have big Navy presence here. We have a huge Marine Corps base here in Camp Pendleton and MCRD down in San Diego. And we let a few Army guys come in once in a while. And uh, we even have some Coast Guard guys and then the Air Force guys come in and touch down. But we really have a big military base here. And we do a lot of things to support military families. Well, Gunnery Sergeant Carlos Hathcock was the most decorated man in the Vietnam War. He was the Marine Corps' number one sniper. And he was constantly in harm's way. He was constantly putting his life at risk. And he could take someone out up to 2,000 yards away in high winds. He had completed four tours of duty and had constantly put himself in harm's way. And his bags are packed. He's ready to go home. He's done his service. He has a chest full of medals. He's ready to go home and see his family. And he gets a call from the highest level. The general calls him up. This was at the end of the Vietnam War. And an army is most at risk when it's redeploying or leaving the field. And at this stage, America was planning to remove the vast majority of its troops from the theater. So they were going to be most at risk. The Viet Cong's number one general, the guy who had inflicted the most damage on American troops, was planning an offensive on the American forces that were redeploying and coming back home. So they called him in and said, we believe that the mission we have for you is going to save perhaps tens of thousands of GI's lives. Any other person goes and does this, it's a suicide mission. You might have a chance of survival. It's very small, but you might have a chance. So the mission looked like this. We're going to drop you in at night behind enemy lines. We've scouted out and we know that this general, there's a 2,500-yard field that you're going to have to crawl through. We reckon it's going to take you three days. And at the end of that three days, you then are going to have to take another day to position yourself for a shot. And then every morning, this general comes out and he does this uh, kind of Tai Chi type exercise every morning. You're going to have to kill him. And if you kill him, it will take them so long to reassemble and put their leadership in place that we can move a bunch of our people without them getting killed by that army. And we hope to be able to get you out. We reckon it's going to take you four to five hours to get back out of that brush. And then you're going to launch a balloon and a plane's going to come and snap you out of the air. That's how you're going to get home. And oh, by the way, there's a team of their snipers in position in that area in case we send a sniper. Other than that, no problem. So Gunnery Sergeant Carlos Hathcock gets dropped in behind enemy lines in a 2,500 yard distance he has to travel he crawls on his belly in full camo there's snipers looking for him so he's moving incrementally slower than a snail is how he described it now what didn't show up in the report is that that 2500 acre field was a pit of fire ants so as he crawled on his belly for four days and four nights no water no food 
no way to really move except in minuscule incremental ways in such a way snipers who were looking for him couldn't see him and his body covered in these fire ants that were eating his skin alive. Wells develop. He started to go a little goofy. No water, no food, completely covered in fear. And he crawls and he crawls and he crawls and he crawls. And interviewed many years later, they said, how did you stop from going mad? How did you, did you ever think about giving up? And he said, I had made up my mind. And I kept telling myself, I made the decision to do this. I made up my mind before I came here. I made the decision to do this, not when they dropped me on the ground. I made this decision before, before the calamities, before the fire ants, before I, I was in this experience, before I, I didn't know what four days without food and water felt like. I made up the decision before all the stuff hit me. And I kept thinking, I made up my mind to do this. I made up my mind to do this. I made up my mind to do this. After four days of crawling on his belly, covered in wealth, in this terrible situation, the general appears. And he takes out the general. It takes him four hours to get back. He launches this balloon. It was a balloon they hadn't used this technique very often. He fires up this balloon, an airplane comes along, catches him in midair. They reckon 12,000 American soldiers' lives were saved because that one man had made up his mind. He made up his mind before the calamity hit. My challenge to all of us is to make up your mind and know that the challenges are coming. Knowing that the fire ants are coming. Know that the discomfort's coming. Know that the, the difficulty's coming. But make up your mind. Make up your mind. That man made up his mind. And even though this is a military story and not, not all sweetness and lights, it had profound implications for thousands of other people. The power of a made-up mind. If that man can do that, I am going to say this, that that man possesses nothing that you or I don't possess. He has the same faculties and the same opportunity. The power of a made-up mind. The power of a made-up mind. I want to talk to you right now about the power of decision. You make up your mind and then you choose. And then here's what happens. You get to choose certain things and those choices that you make and those things that you've made up your mind about, they become yours and they become part of your story. They become your mental and emotional DNA. Those decisions that you make as a result of your made-up mind, they become yours, and no one can ever take them away from you. And no matter what happens in your life or what happens, because we don't control everything in our life. We control very little in our lives, but we do have a chance to control our attitude, and we do have a chance to control what we do each and every day. And it's when we make up our mind and we make these decisions, though the feedback that we get from making those decisions, that becomes our life story, and they can't take that away from you. Years and years ago, I made a decision. We were a, a very small school on the south side of Dublin, okay? And we were a school of about 300 students playing sports against schools of three and four and 5,000. And we were always the little school that never quite got anything accomplished. Well, myself and a bunch of guys had played together for years and years and years. And I'll never forget it. We sat together one night and we made a decision. We made a decision. We're going to win the national championship. Now, this was beyond absurd. We had never won a city championship. The regions of Ireland are broken up into the four provinces of Ireland. You know, you have Munster and Leinster and Connacht. And, and so we won the Leinster. We wanted to win the Leinster championship, which is our province. And then we wanted to win the national championship. Now, here's the thing. No team from our school had ever even gotten to the, past the quarter rounds, quarter final rounds of the city championship. But we made this decision. 
and we sat around and we talked about it. And every guy on the team talked about what they were going to do and what price they were willing to pay to back up the decision. Well, obviously, I'm telling you the story because it had a good outcome. That little school won the city championship, won the province of Leinster championship, won the All-Ireland championship, and then went over even and represented Ireland overseas. Now, here's what I want to tell you about that. I remember games when our team was down. I remember those days. I remember there was a game we played against the defending national champion that we weren't even supposed to be on the same field as. And we're down one to nothing with five minutes to go. And that's bad news in soccer. You don't score a lot of goals. And I remember there was a little bit of a a timeout, if you will. There was an injury. And I remember looking around at the eyes of my teammates. And as we caught each other's glances, we kind of almost smiled. Because we all kind of knew we were going to win. Because we'd made this decision. It like the thought of losing wasn't even on our frame of reference. There was no fear. There was no fear. There was no, oh my God. There was no fear. It was this confident expectation because the decision had been made a long time ago. And sure enough, we managed somehow to score. And we managed somehow to score in overtime. And then we win the next one. And then win the next one. And then go win the regions. And then win the nationals. And on we go. And that happened two years in a row. This little school. What's interesting about that little school, that school had never won a championship of any kind. And they just did a big reunion. And all the guys got together. And they've won six championships in the next 25 years after never winning one. Because the kids that came after us said, those characters can do it, I can do it. Does that make sense? When somebody witnesses a power of a made-up mind and witnesses somebody's decision, it stays with you. Now, let me just tell you this. Here's what that story means to me. I'm not here to tell you some great old soccer stories, and the older I get, the better I was. That's not what the whole purpose of this is. But I want to tell you how it plays out in life. Fast forward many years later. I'm just two years in real estate. I'm going at it hard and heavy. Oh, I rookie of the year, plaques and trophies, lots of awards. The company I worked for, ERA Real Estate at the time, they brought me out to the national convention, which all the national conventions happen around the, you know, February and March. And they asked me to sit on a panel. It's one of the top five realtors in the whole system. And people asking questions and all this kind of good stuff. But behind the scenes, there was a different story going on. Behind the scenes, I was working 90 hours a week. Behind the scenes, I was spending as much money as I was making. Behind the scenes, I was two years behind on my taxes. And the reason I was only two years behind on my taxes, I'd only been in real estate two years. That's a fact. And I'm on the panel as a superstar realtor. And I remember I got away and I actually went to a seminar. I went to a seminar and I got exposed to the Lou Tice methodology for writing goals. The late Lou Tice. And I sat down and I don't remember anything else this seminar covered. It wasn't a very good seminar. But I got a chance to write goals for the first time in my life. And one of the things I did was I said, well, how when have I ever set a goal before? And I'd never really written one down. But what did I remember? That soccer team. And I thought, oh, my gosh. When I was on that soccer team, winning is what I expected. Excellence was, was what I expected. I expected to win every time. And now here I am in real estate. I'm making sales, but I'm doing it in such a way I'm spending everything I'm making. I got all these plaques and trophies, and I got all this acknowledgement, but behind the scenes, I got no quality of life whatsoever. And I remember I actually sat in my car writing these goals, and I remember the tears streaming down my face, and I went, man, I've forgotten who I am. I've forgotten where I come from. I've forgotten that winning gene that was in me. How in the heck did I ever let myself get in this spot? where I messed it up. And that's where I drew a line in the sand. And that's where I made a commitment. I'm going to work by referral. 
I'm going to work by referral. I'm going to live the good life. I remember saying phrases very similar to that. I had heard about referrals because I'd taken it in with my father's painting business. I said, I'm going to find out how my dad did it and put it in a modern format for real estate. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do this. I made up my mind. I know the date. I know the time. I know the place. I was in the parking lot of the Hilton Hotel in Del Mar. And I remember that emotion like this this morning. And it was the decisions I'd made in the past and the success that I'd experienced in that little area and this one thing in playing ball. And I got to experience, I go, that's still in there. I've just forgotten who I am. And I went and applied that into real estate. I became a successful realtor because I remembered where I'd come from and I remembered decisions I'd made in the past. Now, you may be going, man, I never won a national championship, whatever else. You've made decisions in your past, whether it was to pass a test, whether it was to persevere through a very difficult family challenge that you were in the midst of, maybe as a child. And you've made decisions in your life where you've persevered. And it doesn't mean all the context of that was great, but it does mean that those decisions that you made are in you, and it becomes your resolve. I took that resolve from that soccer team. I'd forgotten who I was. I'd forgotten that mindset, but I redeployed it in my real estate career. And then I became one of the most successful realtors ever. I took the same mindset when I met my bride, Beverly. When we decided to get married, okay? 23 years married in June. The fact of the matter is, we made a decision. Our minds made up, okay? We made a decision. The same principle I'm sharing with you. Now, again, this is not, in America today, this is not happy talk, and this is not something that's going to be real popular, but I'm going to give you the best that I have. My bride and I made a decision. When we married, we're going to be married for life, and we're going to find a way to make this work. That was our decision. Now, I know all kinds of circumstances and this and the other. I'm just giving you where I'm at. Her mind was made up. My mind was made up. And all kinds of hell came at us left and right. I'm going to tell you, when I went speaking and doing seminars, same deal. I'm going to tell you when we started having kids. When we started having kids, people came to me, oh my gosh, you married a black gal? Have you thought of what your kids might look like? That, and people at church telling me that. Oh my God. Okay? This is 23 years ago. You know, they, they, they turned out okay, didn't they? All right? But here's what I'm going to tell you about these kids. You know, people have opinions. They came along, oh, you're going to have the terrible twos. You're going to have terrible twos. Yeah, it's, just, it's just fact of life. Okay, we had the terrific twos. We didn't participate in that. They didn't participate in that. They wouldn't have survived. <laughs> oh, when you get to the terrible teens, teens, they're just uh, this and that. That's what someone else said. I'm going to tell you this effect. I don't want to depress you. I don't want to make you, I don't care about your current experiences, whatever else. I'm just telling you, we made up our mind. We ain't having the terrible teens. We don't have terrible teens. We got great kids. We're going to teach them how to be great young adults. We made up our mind. Was it always easy? Was it always simple? No. Was I walking around this morning before today's broadcast getting my older kids to brush their freaking teeth? Yes. Yeah, I don't know why that's still a new day. I think Alzheimer's patients. Every day is a new freaking day. But here's what I'm going to share with you. We've made up our mind. Now, where are you at today? Oh, I regret. And this happened. And this happened. You got today. What decisions can you make today? I'm just telling you this. I'm buying into it. I ain't buying into what the TV says the good life looks like. The TV doesn't have a lot of options on this. Have you checked it out? Watch reality TV. Isn't that really good stuff? Makes you want to be like those folks. Buy into the commercials. Buy into the images. Buy into that crap. That, that's where it goes. You got to make up your mind. What does a good life look like for you? Let me tell you. You're going to come up against opposition. You get certain 
feelings in your heart and you things that you are rooted and you go and you get some feedback. And I'm a guy who will always listen to dissenting voices. But at the end of the day, I will always go with my gut. I've learned to get a lot of feedback, but I've become more committed to my gut than ever before. So guess what? I've become a very successful realtor. I get asked by different speakers and by different companies to come out and share my stories. I shared my story. Next thing you know, I, I tell a few yarns and I tell a few examples and I tell a few client stories and there'd be people standing in the line to talk to me for an hour. And I did this more and I did this more and people are like, you got to do this. I need more. My phone started blowing up. I started doing this and I, I actually changed my phone number at my real estate office because so many realtors would call me all day. I'm like, I can't get any work done. And then I finally decided to go, I'm going to go build this company, it was initially called Providence Systems, and we're going to go train and teach people this very little cool system that had helped change my business. Now, I'm going to tell you, I took all kinds of flack. I took my dad. My dad's like, what are you doing? You don't know about speaking. What are you doing? You're a realtor. You're making money. You made more money than anyone in the family ever has. What are you doing? You're going to be traveling all over. You're going to lose your family. I had people, I had a, a good friend of mine who was a pastor of the church. He goes, this is going to destroy your life. It's going to destroy you. And it's going to do this and it's going to do that. Now, I, again, I got feedback and I got good input. And I said, well, why is that the case? And why do you think that's the case? And I put some steps in place. So even from the negative feedback, I got some lessons. But I had my mind made up. I had my mind made up. I knew what I was going to do. One of the guys said to me, every speaker I know, and again, this is a generalization. He goes, all these speakers, they have three and four and five wives. They've lost this, they're this and that. They're carrying on with women and all the cities and this and that and the other. So I said, great. All right, so if that's an issue, here's what I want to do. For the first six years of Buffini and Company, I shared a room with my brother. For the love of Mary, I hadn't shared a room with my brother in 20 years. It really sucked. <laughs> but I had my mind made up. And I went out and I started this business. And I started with a lot of opposition. But I had my mind made up. And what happened with a made-up mind? You know what? I was a man on a mission and people saw it. And the first seminar I did up in Orange County, there, there were 60 people at it. Okay? And, you know, just like, boom, just, I just kept sharing it. And it was like one or two people were interested, and that was it. And I went up to Seattle, and there were supposed to be 800 people. And there was a, it wasn't quite 800. It was 32 people. And one lady walked up to me. Her name was Jeannie Vance. And she said, hey, I'm a seminar junkie. Whatever you're selling today, I'm buying. And at the end of four hours of presenting, she was the only person who bought. I shouldn't have even talked. But here's what happened. That lady, her life changed. She, he was in our coaching program for 15 years. She, she sold her business in Seattle and moved to Hawaii, her life's dream. The fact of the matter is, I had a made-up mind. I didn't care if there was 30 people. I didn't care if there was 800 people. I didn't care if there was one person. I had my mind made up. I had my mind made up. I had my mind made up. So what happened? Okay, everybody wants to get to heaven. No one wants to die to get there. Over the course of the next dozen years or so, Buffini Company rode a success rate of 49% a year on average. Grew like this. Almost 400 employees. One out of every eight homes in the United States was sold through people we worked with. Okay? And so we moved into our headquarters. Boom, here it was, Carlsbad. Almost 90,000 square feet overlooking the flower fields. Okay? And everybody's, boom, oh, Brian, and this and that. You're the great, oh, yeah, my life is easy. Flying in the jets, things is good. Never had a bad day in your life. Yada, yada, yada. And that's how people perceive it. And then we managed the, the largest coaching and training company of any kind, specializing in real estate and lending. Next thing you know, the real estate and lending business had some issues. Did you guys notice that? Did you ever hear about this? Okay. Between the number of people who left and the income that dropped in the business, the real estate business lost 87% of the dollars 
that were in it. That was the industry I was in. That's not the industry you're in. You're in a real estate business. I'm the real estate agent business. And so guess what? We're massively exposed. Our basic bills, almost $60 million a year in expenses. And here we are. All of these folks, and all of a sudden the real estate business falls off the cliff. I have all these consultants that come in and they're analyzing this and that and the other and they're looking at the numbers and saying, they say, Brian, you've done well. You've had a great ride. You've done this, you've done that. Here's the thing. We can find a buyer for your building. Here's your assets right here. You take all your chips off the table. You walk away. You're a very wealthy man. Life has been good. You've had a hell of a ride. It's all good. That's the advice I was paying for. But unfortunately, what they didn't understand is that I had a what? I'd have made up mind. I'd have made up mind. Did I know what to do? Nope. Did I know what the future held? Nope. Did I know the recession would end sometime? Probably. But I had a made up mind. So I did whatever I had to do. So if I had to sell, which I did, $30 million worth of real estate to reinvest back into my company, to keep this business afloat, to keep serving this business, it was my made up mind. I didn't realize I had a little bit of Dick Hoyt in me. I'd made up my mind. I'd made up my mind. Learn from the situation. Learn from these experiences. Don't just go blindly and do, repeat the same thing over and over again. You learn, you learn, you learn, you learn, you learn. And the fact of the matter is, we did learn. And we recalibrated our business, and we recalibrated our organization, recalibrated our staff, and recalibrated everything we did, and how we did it, and the way we did it. Moved back to our old facilities. And this building here, it's a third of the size of what it was. Okay? We coach about a third of the number of people we used to in our one-to-one coaching program. Now, coaching is basically sold out. But the fact of the matter is, I had a made-up mind. Now, people walk in today, and it's all exciting. I had a former employee of mine come by the office the other day, and she walked in, and she hugged me. She goes, this is amazing. The place is awesome. The buzz is everywhere. The company's flying. This is fantastic. This is unbelievable. Now, I'm telling you, I'm not standing here today and telling you that my breath doesn't stink. I'm not telling you that. I wrote a book called Taking Care of Business, and I opened up the introduction to that book with the 10 biggest business clangers I've ever made. And I had a lot to choose from. It was a smorgasbord. And I said, let me give you the 10 biggest screw-ups I've made so that it can help you. I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. Sorry, staff. I'm going to make mistakes. And when I make mistakes, they're big ones. But I'm going to tell you, I have a made-up mind. I know who I am. I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going. That's a gift I'd like to give all of you. You know what comes with it? Resolve. You know what comes with it? Peace. And when the bombs are flying and everybody's going around you and everybody's looking for the exit signs, it gives you peace. Was it pleasant? No. Did I handle everything perfectly? No. Well, I tell you where we're at today, Buffini and Company. Last year was our most successful year in 17 years of business. And we're scheduled to double that this year. Everybody wants to get to heaven. No one wants to die to get there. We had to persevere. When our competition disappeared, we persevered. When people who stopped serving the real estate community, we kept serving. When people stopped coaching, all 27 companies all wanted to do coaching because we made it look attractive. And out of 27, 26 of them are gone. We kept coaching. And our coaches kept coaching. And now we get to go and do it. And we, oh, by the way, we, get to, we hired back 25 of the people we let go. But the fact of the matter is, it all has to do with the power of a made-up mind. I don't stand here today as the perfect man or the perfect husband or the perfect father. God help me, that's not the case. The third major point I have for you today is that it's your time. It's your time. It's your time. 
Here's a question I want you to write down. Here's a question I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to do in the quietness of your own heart. I hope this will impact your sleep. I hope it'll impact your shower time. I hope it'll impact if you go for a walk or a run or a jog or whatever you do. And I hope this question starts to resonate in your mind so that it will ultimately show up in something you'll write down. Here's your first question for you. When have you made up your mind? When have you made up your mind? When in your life have you made up your mind? I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what benefits have come from that. How did that help you? When have you made up your mind in your life? I have a gal here working for me. Her name is Don Brookshire. She was pregnant with a little baby coming, first baby. Her dad, terminally ill. And the end was in sight. And I remember we sat down and had a conversation. And I knew in my heart, no matter how sick her dad was, that her dad was going to live until he saw that baby. And it didn't matter what the doctor said. And it didn't matter what the physician said. And it didn't matter what biology said. But I'm going to share with you, and you know this, and you've seen experiences like this, but I believe, Don, that happened for you with your dad. And I've seen that happen with many, many people. That man kept himself alive because of the power of a made-up mind. I'm going to see my grandchild. There was a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which I highly recommend. It's a deep read. It's a difficult read. It's a profound read by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a psychologist. And he was in a concentration camp, a Jewish concentration camp, under the Nazis. My mother says, everywhere you go, there you are. Well, Viktor Frankl, even though he's in this Jewish work camp, he understands he's still a psychologist. And he would notice this pattern over and over again. And these trains would pull up and the doors would open like the cattle. And new prisoners would be brought into the camp. Now, some of these prisoners had been incarcerated for a number of years, and some of them had just been picked off the streets. And some of these people were, they're not fed, they're not taken care of, they were emaciated. Walking cadavers, he referred to them as. And they'd been in camps for three and four years. And some of these people had been picked up for 90 days ago, they were healthy, walking on the street. And he noticed over and over and over again over the years that the person who got off the train, emaciated, and looked like they weren't going to last a weekend, the vast majority of time outlasted the healthy person who was just picked up that day. And he kept seeing it over and over and over again and over and over and over again and over and over and over again. So he started interviewing these people. He goes, how are you surviving? How are you making it? How are you doing it? And in every case, the person had a why. A why. And he surmised in his book that if you have a strong enough why, you can endure any how. There's no how that can be thrown at you that you can't endure and survive if you have a strong enough why. For some people, is I need to get back to my loved ones. I need to see my wife again. I need to see my kids again. Some of them, it was work. I have important work I need to complete. For some of them, it was revenge. I'm going to get that SOB that put me in here. The fact of the matter is, the folks that had the strong why could endure anything that was thrown at them. When have you made a decision in your past and how has it benefited you? Now, here's the big homework assignment. What decisions do you need to make now? What decisions do you need to make now? What decisions do you need to make now in your life? Where do you need to make up your mind today, this very hour? What decisions do you need to make? Where do you need to make up your mind? And I'm talking about deep-rooted. I'm talking about drive the the stake in the ground stuff. I'm talking about principle-based stuff that's aligned with your values and who you are and where you've come from and what the desires of your heart are, where you want to go, what decisions need to be made. I challenge everyone in this audience to do a little analysis. Be somewhat introspective. 
When have you made up your mind in the past and what were the benefits of it? And then what decisions need to be made today? Maybe they're small decisions, but it's a decision that needs to be made. Okay, maybe it's something, okay, I've tried this and I quit, and I tried that and I quit. No, 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 here's what I'm going to do. You know, the same membership I have to the gym that I sometimes go or I don't go, around. not today, maybe today's the day, but I'm going to tap into who I've been in the past and what I've achieved in the past and what I've accomplished in the past and when I decided something to persevere, something difficult in the past and not quit. And I want to tap into that version of me and I'm going to bring that version of me. I'm going to dust that person off and I'm going to bring them back out here. I'm going to make these decisions. I'm going to go for it. Isn't that what we want? We're not looking for some little magic pill to do it for us. Oh, it'd be nice to do it, but we really don't. What decisions need to be made, what lines drawn in the sand, what commitments. Here's the good news. You're not alone. Here's the good news. I'm not the only one who's made up my mind. I have a whole army of people at Buffini Company who've made up their mind that they're going to do this crazy business. And a whole bunch of these folks have been on this ride with me who fought through the tough times and fought through the challenging times and fought through the moves and the this and the that and the other things and fought through when their best friend in the world got laid off. But let me just tell you this. I have made up my mind and I have been blessed in my life as a result of it, but I did not do it by myself and I do not do it by myself today. You got to lean in to the help that's there. And let me just tell you this. When your mind's made up, you're going to have a, a range of emotions. Yes, there's a power to it that can be very high. But to most parties, you're going to get this quiet confidence and peace. It doesn't mean you won't have doubt. It doesn't mean that other people won't try to shake you off. Let me just tell you this. The more your mind is made up, the more people who don't have their mind made up want to convince you that you don't have yours made up. There'll be more doubters. There'll be more people question than ever before. People are free to dispense advice. They're free. And sometimes it's worth what it's paid for. Your mind's made up and you get that sense of peace and you go, this might not be anyone else's idea of a good time. This might not be anyone else's idea of success. This might not be Brian's idea or my coach's idea of success. We don't care. We're interested in you. What are you making up your mind about? Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I got to be honest with you. I enjoyed listening to it again. Oh, boy. What kind of craziness have I gotten into now? I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say. I maybe need a therapist. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it benefits you. I do believe in the power of a made-up mind, and I know what it's done for me in my life to help me live a good life with the work I do, the business I've built, the bride I'm married to for the past 26 years, and the six kids I get the privilege to be a dad of, and the hundreds of employees I get to lead. And the made-up mind, well, that's kind of the key to it all. So I want to hear your feedback on what you think of the show. I love hearing your reviews. I love hearing your feedback. So if you want to leave one on iTunes for us, uh, please do. It also helps us uh, spread the word about the show. Our goal, as you know, is to positively influence as many folks as we can to live the good life. So please, if you enjoyed this program, share it with a friend. We're excited. There's hundreds of thousands of people listening to this show. Uh, it's only six months old, and yet uh, we're over in 120 countries at this stage. So Thanks so much for spreading the word. Keep spreading the word. From what I see on the nightly news, there's a lot of people in need of encouragement. And from what I see of people going along in their daily life, there's an awful lot of folks could use some help making up their mind and being a little more focused. So 
As I finish here today, I want to leave you with a little Irish blessing that my grandfather always said, and that was a man who definitely had his mind made up. And he used to say this, May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time.